Today we are starting a new sermon series, and we're going to talk about what might be the most powerful four words you can ever say or hold in your heart. Most powerful four words that you can maybe ever say or hold in your heart. These four words, they have the power to shape lives, to offer freedom, to lead to futures that at this moment are unimaginable. Just four words in our, in our English language. When said together can change everything. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for inviting and calling us into this space and place wherever we are part of worship from today. We are thankful for this opportunity to be in your presence. Now open our ears to hear your words. Open our minds to better understand and open our hearts to be flooded with your love that we might let it overflow into the lives around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A number of years ago, I was on a mission trip with a group of youth, and on the way to our destination, we stopped and, uh, and we're going whitewater rafting. As, uh, as we stopped at the place, one of our volunteers had arranged everything for us for our fun day. And so she went in to kind of check us all in, and we got the kids over where we were going to get instructions on what to do. And when our volunteer came out of the office, she had this concerned look on her face. But the, the guides were coming up to start the instructions, and so she said, don't worry about it, I'll tell you about it on the bus, we're, we're good. And so we sat down, the, the, the guides instructed us about safety measures on the river, and, and then uh, we got our helmets and our paddles and our life jackets, and everybody was excited and, and ready to go. And we got on the bus, I couldn't stop thinking about the volunteer's face when she walked out of the office, though. So once we were on the bus, everybody was settled, and we made sure, counted everybody. We're, uh, we're on our way there, and this volunteer says to our adult group, she's like, I know you all already divided into, like, adults, that we had three rafts. We had enough kids for three rafts. She's like, I know you already divided the adults, but you need to know, I went with the cheaper option, because um, I didn't understand uh, the guide situation, and we have one guide for three boats. Which, of course, meant that two of us were going to have to guide a raft down a whitewater river. And uh, I don't know if you've been whitewater rafting, but if you've been whitewater rafting, uh, if you're on a, on, a, on, a, on a river with class three and four rapids, like, th there's some responsibility with the people who are going to be in your boat. And a group of youth who aren't exactly pros at paddling aren't exactly comforting if you're going to be the guide. We had an Eagle Scout on the trip, which was awesome. He volunteered right away. He's like an Eagle adult, and he's like, I'm, I'll take one. Um, and then we looked at the other adults, and they all looked at me like, no possible way. <laughs> which meant I was going to guide the other raft down the river. We got to the river. Everybody else pushed their rafts into the water, and I was just frozen. 
Like, I'm like, I, I, I'm, I, I can't do this. Like, I, I was just stuck right there on the bank of the river. I wasn't even in the boat. And the kids are like, come on, get in. They're going. We got we to gotta catch up. Let's, let's go. And all I could think about was all the ways that it could go wrong, right? The boat flipping over, losing a kid, like all the things that could go wrong. That's all that was in my head. And then, then I started feeling sorry for myself. Anybody ever feel sorry for yourself? Then I was like, like I was so looking. I love whitewater rafting with a guide. Like, I was so looking forward to just enjoying this day with the kids and getting in the boat and going down. And now it's like my day was ruined. Now I'm, I'm responsible. I'm tense. The guide comes up at that point and says, you'll be fine. Just I'll stay close to you. The kids are like already pushing off because they're, they're ready to go. And so I just said a little prayer. Dear Jesus, don't let us die. <laughs> off we went. So good news, as you can tell, I am here. Uh, I am still in ministry, which means I did not lose any of the kids on that trip either. In fact, looking back at that day, I learned some things on that river. You see, if you focus only on life's challenges and the obstacles and the danger and what's not right, you can end up totally stuck. If you give up because things aren't the way that you imagined them, you'll miss out. If you're trying to go your own way against the current, you can find yourself pretty quickly in big trouble. In fact, if you want the very best experience, you steer the boat into the middle of the river. You go with the current. You may get turned around, you might get bounced around by that current. You might crash into some things. You might even get stuck for a moment. But if you keep your eye on the V of the water, where it comes together, where the current comes together, and if you keep pushing and steering in that direction, you'll break through every rapids challenge eventually. And you'll have an incredible experience. You'll be stupid sore the next day. Just need to put that out there too. You'll be crazy sore the next day. It isn't easy, but wow. Wow is the experience phenomenal. So let me ask a question today. How many of you at some point in life, you sometimes feel stuck? Anybody sometimes feel stuck in your life? <laughs> stuck with fear, Stuck by obstacles in life that you didn't see coming? Do you ever feel like life isn't the way that you want it? Like it's just not what you were hoping for in this moment of your life, but you aren't even sure where to begin to find another way? Or maybe you've had this experience where you just long for something more in your life, but you're not even sure where to start to move in that direction, or, or you fear that if you step out of what you know, you'll lose control and be overwhelmed. I think if we're honest, we all have these times when we're, when we're stuck, when we're afraid, when, when we're in a rut, maybe these times in our life when we're just going through the motions and we don't feel it, the joy we want. Sometimes we're 
unwilling to leave the bank because it's comfortable there, but we know that there's more on the horizon. Sometimes we're just uninspired. Sometimes we're overwhelmed. Sometimes we don't feel God's presence or see God's direction. So how might we break through? This month, this is our this is our search. We're going to search scriptures and ask this question. How, how do we break through those times in our life when we're, when we're stuck, when we're struggling? How do we break through what keeps us stuck? How do we break through the challenges? How do we break through monotony? How do we break through fear in our lives? How do we break through whatever is holding us back from the adventure that God wants to take us on? How do we break through whatever is keeping us from the fullness of life that God desires for us? We're going to explore aspects of that question today. I want to invite us all to imagine, ponder that all of the answers to how to break through might lie in a single spiritual practice. Prayer. I want to invite us to to begin to reflect on our, on our lives of prayer. And that's going to lead us to those four words that I mentioned earlier. To understand the four words, though, and, and how, how they have this power, we need a little context. We're going to look at the Gospels. We're going to turn first to Luke's Gospel for a moment. In Luke's Gospel, the disciples are called to follow Jesus. And they, they follow Jesus, and they... They have these amazing experiences with him, right? They watch him heal people, and they they watch lives being transformed, and and they see miracles taking place. And then in chapter 11, after a number of these kinds of encounters, the disciples, they come to Jesus with a question. This is what it says in Luke 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. See what Jesus is, right? Jesus prays as he's making all this happen. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Luke doesn't tell us who asked the question. We can imagine, though, what was motivating it, right? The disciples had watched all of this happen, and they're like, we want, we want to know where that kind of power comes from, Jesus. We want to we tap into that power. They wanted to know how to experience that kind of transforming power in their lives. In Luke's gospel, Jesus answers the question with a, a snippet of what we know as the Lord's Prayer. But we're going to jump to Matthew's account for a moment this morning. Matthew's account of the same teaching about prayer, because for whatever reason, Luke leaves out some of Jesus' answer that Matthew kind of fills in when, he's, when, when Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe, maybe it's because Luke wasn't there himself. Maybe it's a, it's a second experience. But we're going we're gonna to jump to Matthew And this is what Matthew says in Matthew 6, 9, and 10. These words of Jesus. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this prayer here every week, right? I want us to pause today for a moment and and think about these words. We might notice some things. The first is it's our, not my Father in heaven. Jesus is teaching them to pray corporately, to pray together, to pray as a community. And then this focus of the prayer happens at the, at the very beginning as, as Jesus invites them to pray, your will be done. Some of you are like, well, we don't pray that. We pray thy will be done. Either way's good. Your will be done. Thy will be done. They mean the same things, but notice they're both four words. Your will be done. Four words that hold so much power. Four words that hold so much teaching within them. The Greek word here for your will, it's also translated as want or, or desire. Right? Jesus teaches his followers that at the heart of prayer, the very center of prayer is, is inviting God's desires to become real. What God wants, what God desires. This is at the heart of prayer. And then the Greek word for be done, I think is even more fun to explore. It's the same root that you find in Genesis, in the English words Genesis and generation. It has this sense of, of becoming. Right? It's, it's, it means to come into existence. Just like Jesus bought, or God brought creation into existence, there's this invitation to, in prayer, to invite God to bring God's will into existence in and through us. It means to break through or emerge in a, in a certain time in our lives, to come to pass. Your will be done. Four words. As we say these four words, though, they're rich with, with meaning. It's like, God, we pray that your desires come into existence through us. That what you want breaks into the lives of us, of our community. So often, I think we get stuck praying for what we want. And that's okay. God wants to know what's on our hearts. But it's kind of like, I think of it like our God honeydew list. Hey, God, I've got some things I need to happen. And so I'm going to put together this list. If you could just like check these off, that would be fantastic. If you could just make this all happen, some healings, a few good days, a miracle on this project that I haven't put enough time in on, just make it turn out, God. If you just do all that, God, my faith will be strong. When we fall into that, when God doesn't answer our prayers or do our will, which is what we're asking, it's like, God, do my will. If things don't go the way that we hope or the way that we intend, it's so easy to think, well, God didn't answer my prayer. God didn't hear me. God isn't even with me. In these moments of our lives, and I think we all have them from time to time, 
when our prayer ends up centered on us and, and not on God. In these moments, it's worth flipping on through the Gospels to the end and finding what Jesus prayed near the end of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knelt down, and he had a moment like all of us. Right? He said, Lord, take this cup from me. Lord, my heart is, I don't, I don't want to do this. Take this cup from me. He prays his desire. But then Jesus prays something else. He adds the same prayer he taught his followers. But not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And this prayer of Jesus I think it's important to recognize this isn't a prayer of giving up or giving in. It's not like, find God, do whatever you want. No, this prayer says, God, I will trust you with my entire life. This is a prayer that opens the way to God's love conquering even death. Jesus says, I will submit to where you are leading. And this prayer leads to resurrection. When we submit our will to God's, we experience resurrection power in our lives. The ultimate display of what God can do, this prayer has power. Again, not the power to make God do what we want. The power in this prayer is something else. When our boat is stuck on the side of the river and we're stuck, unable to see how anything can be better than this present moment, this prayer casts us into the current. It puts us out in the river, following where that current leads into new adventures and new possibilities. When we are so focused on the rocks and the swirls of life that feel like they are dragging us under, this prayer, it changes our sight line from down and in with resignation to up and out with expectation. When you're going down the river, if you are just like focused only on the, on the rocks and on the and on the dangers, man, you'll just jump off of that river. But if you focus on where the current comes together, if you keep your head up, even when you're bashing in to the rocks and, and push toward that spot, it'll pull you through. When we are paddling hard and getting nowhere with the ways we've always done it, or paddling hard thinking if we just go back up the river to that, that quiet spot, it, it'd be better back there. We liked it there. This prayer invites us to rest our paddles and let the current take us where God has intended. Do we believe in this power of prayer? This is where you say yes. Do we believe in this power of prayer? Yes. When that when the pandemic hit in 2020 and everything shut down, that included our food pantry at Clay Church. There wasn't any way to safely distribute food 
with the model that we were using, which was to bring people in and they'd, they'd make orders and then they'd go through and, and shop. There just wasn't any way to do it. We knew there was a need in the community. There continued to be a need, but, but we also couldn't imagine being a site where the virus spread, and so we, we shut down for a bit. Sue Zumbrin, our missions director, shared the story this week of, of how she and, and other leaders, and I was in that ring as well, we just started praying. Like, God, show us, show us what to do for, for God's will to be done through this ministry. If it was to be closed, then, then we needed to be closed to protect people. If there was another way, we, we prayed that God might show us another way. The prayers led to Sue, really, to an observation that restaurants were still open and they were serving curbside. So what would it look like if our food pantry shifted to serve curbside and take take orders at the car. But one of the things that distinguishes our food pantry is that people get to shop. We don't just give them food they may or may not want. To honor the, the dignity, the experience, we want pe wanted people to be able to, to choose the food, and, and that also keeps from food waste. And so in that process, we realized Sue came up with a, a plan that we could give people a, a sheet, and the team brainstormed to put together ideas, and we deliver the sheet to people, and they could order off the sheet. And then our shoppers would be masked and safe and one at a time through the shopping experience. And then we'd bring it out to their car and they could just pop the trunk. There'd be very little contact. The challenge of shopping from a car seemed like a big leap. But that was the vision that God gave the team. And so the team made it happen. Our food pantry reopened as a drive-through service. And Here's the really cool part. It was so effective at meeting needs that way. It's still serving people that way today. It's like God used this moment, this obstacle. I don't think God caused the pandemic, but God used this moment and this prayerful people to open an entirely new way to serve that allows us to serve more people than ever. Prayer helped us to see in new ways where God was leading. To imagine something we couldn't have imagined when we were just paddling away and trying to, to keep up. Prayer is surrendering ourselves to God's will so that the Holy Spirit can do amazing things through us. Thy will be done. It would be really easy right now to look around and see all the challenges that the church faces, that Clay Church faces in the world today. I've heard, I've been in conversations where, and I've been part of them, where we've talked about the obstacles for the church in the world today, for, for Clay Church in the midst of all that's, that's happening. We, we could get stuck here. We could, we could give in. Some, some have. Or... Or we could live into this thing we said a few minutes ago that we believe in the power of prayer and we could invite God to keep breaking through. We could ask the question, what if God is ready to do a new thing in and through us? What if God just needs us to imagine more and more possibilities? What if God has things in store for us that we can't even imagine today because we can't see them yet? So let's pray. 
You're, you're going to be invited. I'm going to invite all of us. Let's just pray this month of October for God to break through. Every one of us to pray together. We're going to launch this initiative today called 812. Let's pray together. Here's the fun part. The uh, prayer is anchored in John chapter 8, verse 12. And if you don't know that verse, anybody know it by heart? Want to just holler it out? Just kidding. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We're going to invite God's light to break through the darkness for all of us. The 812 goes on. We're going to invite everyone to pray a prayer together. I'm going to introduce the prayer in just a moment. We're going to invite everybody to pray a prayer together at 812 a.m. and 812 p.m. every day. And just because we needed three things that were true about 8 and 12, the first line of the prayer has eight words and the second line has 12. Here's the 8-12 breakthrough prayer. Lord, break through all that holds us back. Pull us from darkness. Expand our vision. Light our way forward together. It's built on those four words, thy will be done. And interprets them through the scripture that invites us to see Christ's light breaking through in our lives Today, when you leave, you're going to receive a copy of this prayer. It's a table tent. Our hope is that every individual will take one. I know sometimes it's like, well, I don't want to waste paper. But we we hope every individual will take one and put it somewhere where you'll remember at 8.12 a.m. and 8.12 p.m. each day to pray. A a nightstand by your bed or a table in the house, wherever it is that you'll you'll see it every day. And for those of you who, who, uh, um, who get up at 9 or 10 in the morning... You know who you are. For those of you that go to bed at 7, you know who you are. The prayer will work when you get up and when you go to bed, kind of where it is. But for the rest of us, let's pray it at 8.12. And just imagine what God can do when we are all praying this same prayer together. Now, if you are like me, you probably could use a reminder or you'll misplace the card between now and when you get home. If you do that, you can go to claychurch.com slash 812. The prayer is there, so you can find it there at any point in time. You can also sign up to receive reminders at 812 a.m. and 812 p.m., notifications on your phone through the Clay app every day. And I just, if you don't have the Clay app, it's a great way to stay connected. I'd I'd like to invite you right now just to, you can go to the Google or Apple Play stores and download it. But let me just walk through kind of the process to sign up for that. Um, And you'll get an email later today that'll walk through this as well. It's it's not too complicated. Um, On the first screen, so you'll download the app and then you'll open it. And when you open the app, go go back to the one just before that, Andy. When you open it, um, it'll actually ask you, um, if you want to open an account, you can, but you can also sign up without, an, a, like, without registering yourself. Um, and then it'll ask you what notifications you want. And there are a number of things on there that we use occasionally, um, particularly the Faith Fit and Daily Questions gives you scripture and questions every day via notifications. Um, but if you mark the 812, it'll put you on that notification list. If you already have the app, 
If you'll go in, you'll see this screen when you open your app. On the upper right-hand corner on both Google and Apple, there's a little, it's like a little person in a circle. It's a profile button. In that top right corner, you'll tap that button, and then you'll get a screen that uh, will have like your notifications on it. On that screen, it'll show you all the notifications you've been getting. And on the right-hand side, there's, on the Apple, it looks like a stack of papers. I couldn't even, because I'm nearly blind and my daughter's phone was dark, I can't make out exactly what it is on the Google phone. Um, but it's like the second thing over, just above the notifications, there's a little, little icon there. If you tap that icon, it'll show you the notification lists that you're on. And that's this next screen. If you are like my daughter and can see really small print, uh, then all the notifications will be there and you'll just tap them and they'll turn to color for the ones that you want to receive. If you're like me and you have large print on your phone, you'll scroll down until you get to the 812. Uh, I think there's one more slide, Andy, and uh, you'll tap the 812 on there. If you're like, I, that's all Greek to me, Pastor Brian. Um, stop by the Welcome Center, and one of our team can help you. I can hang out and, and help you turn those on. And then at 8.12 a.m. and 8.12 p.m. each day, you'll just, your phone will just buzz and give you a little reminder, and it'll have the prayer right there. So you can just uh, pray it from that moment. I believe in the power of prayer. We said it. We believe in the power of prayer. With breakthrough prayer... Like what happens when we do this is we infuse our lives with divine power capable of more than we can ask or imagine. So let's invite God to break through. Let's pray together. Let's see what God can do through Clay Church. Let's pray and then just pay attention to where the Holy Spirit is showing up. Are you ready? Okay, let's try that again. Are you ready? All right, it's not 8.12, but let's, uh, let's put the words back on the screen. Let's pray this prayer together. Let me invite you to stand up. We're going to pray this prayer together and then sing. Join me in the, in the words. Lord, break through all that holds us back. Pull us from darkness. Expand our vision. Light our way forward together. Amen.